Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media. And also, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about being childless, not by choice. And before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I'm not giving any type of religious or medical advice. So if you're having any healthcare issues, please speak with your healthcare provider. And if you have any religious issues, please speak with your friendly neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So today I am so excited to welcome onto the podcast a Dr. Gail Miller who is a maternal fetal medicine specialist out in Colorado. So Dr. Miller, welcome, and please introduce yourself um, to the audience. Okay, thank you so much. Um, thank you for giving a platform and a voice to the women who are childless, not by choice. Um, as you said, I'm maternal fetal medicine, so I take care of women who have high-risk pregnancies. and having done an OBGYN residency, it kind of became a joke that typically doctors end up with high-risk pregnancies, no matter how healthy or young they are. And in OBGYN, typically OBGYNs have high-risk pregnancies, or it seems to be more common, right? So I had, you know, since a child, I dreamed of having a family. I had it planned in my head. I had my whole life planned and what that looked like. And then through med school, residency, fellowship, jobs, I, of course, as you know, that joke came went on in residence and fellowship about, you know, you're going to have iris pregnancy. That's what I expected. But I also planned out at each site, med school and on, you know, who I, who I wanted to have deliver me, which OB, which nurses on labor and delivery I wanted taking care of me during labor and delivery. And um, of course, none of that happened. Um, I had, with my dreams, I had always imagined this would be with a partner. This is not to say that, you know, this is not a criticism of anybody who's a single mom, but that had been in my head, my dream. As I got older and I wasn't finding the right person, um, I began to think about 
okay, what about single motherhood? What and and in my fellowship, I used to have an REI attending who would come by my office and be like, you know, you're getting older. Why don't you think about having a child on your own? And it, it's it became something that I was really strongly considering, except I allowed um, two people to influence me. One was a parent of mine who would have mourned me as if I was dead for being single and pregnant. And the other was my division head who was very conservative and I would have lost my job if I was a single mom. And first of all, this was many years ago. So it was in different, a little bit different times in terms of, you know, bosses, etc. But it was also a different time for me as a person and for me to learn I can stand on my own. So what if I, I like, I couldn't imagine being fired, but like now I'm like, okay, if that had happened, I could have taken care of myself. And I couldn't imagine the loss of a parent and then by extension, the rest of my family. And now again, as I've grown and learned so much about myself, like no one had the right to do that to me. And I shouldn't have allowed it, but I did. And I've learned. And then over time, it got to be to be something where I just it thought I had accepted, okay, I'm going to be childless. And then I did meet the right person. And getting married was like a switch got flipped. And it was like, okay, now the next natural step is to have a child of our own. He had three children and it, thankfully we had a positive relationship and positive relationship with their mom. But that ache to have my own child just reared its head and I, and he did not want to. And so we had never had a conversation about this because I had assumed I was over it that I accepted it. And so never brought this up. And when that desire like really strongly was, you know, affecting me, we had the conversation and, you know, he was by then over the 2am feedings and the terrible twos. I mean, he had teenagers. So, you know, he's like, I I've done that. And I also would, uh, I forgot to mention, I had fertility issues all along. I knew that. And so um, now I'm at an age where I would need IVF and it probably wouldn't be successful. Um, and he did not want to go through this. And I thought, okay, well, I will be happy with what I have. But I grieved and I was you know, enjoying the life I had, but also miserable inside because I just felt this huge piece of life missing. And I had a memory pop up in my email one day, photo memories, you know, they show you, these are the memories from however long ago. Yeah. And there was a picture of me and I was, I didn't recognize myself because I looked so happy in that photo. And when I thought through it, I realized that photo was taken before I had realized that I, before I knew I wasn't going to become a mom. 
it was then that I was like, okay, I need to find that person again. I, I need to be able to grieve what I'm missing and, but accept it and live the life that I have in a happy way, enjoy what I do have. And so I embarked on this journey of kind of finding myself again and finding the happiness that I had still, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't miss being a mom, that, I, I, that I'm not grieving that loss, but instead of it something that started like this was over my head, over my life, it was like endless. Instead of it taking up all of that space, it's now something in here that I grieve, but I now enjoy the beautiful life that I have. So um, I got to a point where I thought I didn't have anyone helping me who was also childless, not by choice. And I actually had a therapist who I loved, who was working, who was helping me with other issues, who said to me, oh, I know what you're going through because I had a high-risk pregnancy. And I was like, okay, as a high-risk doctor, I totally understand there is grief that goes with that. Even if you end up taking a healthy baby home, going through a high-risk pregnancy it is not what you planned and you grieve not having that beautiful, easy, healthy pregnancy, but it's also not the same grief. Everyone's grief is different. And so that was made me think when I finally kind of worked through everything and I had a coach, um, I thought, okay, I need to do this for other women who are like me because at the time there really weren't a lot of coaches and therapists who focused on that. So I became a coach. I became, I went through a program so that I could help other women get to this point of feeling whole and feeling I have a purpose in life. And so that's what I do now. And that was a long winded story about how I got to this point. No, that was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. And I think it's so, so important for anyone that's listening to the podcast to understand and know your story. And, you know, I really appreciate your vulnerability. So thank you for sharing it because I know it must be very hard for you to talk about this. And perhaps it's a little bit easier now, but I'm sure it was something that, you know, you had to discover and work on yourself and, you know, figure out what perhaps your triggers were, you know, what situations you had to maneuver and navigate and perhaps not even participate in because, you know, perhaps that would elicit a certain type of feeling. And so I'm sure that, you know, and hopefully you wouldn't mind telling us about that. But, you know, I, I think that this is a really, really important topic that we just don't talk about, right? We think that, you know, either you have children or you don't have children. If you don't have children, it's because you don't want children and end of story, no big deal. You know, or if you have children, yes, of course, you're going to have children. And maybe you have some issues with infertility, but, you know, you'll be fine and you'll have children, right? But we don't think of that person in the middle that doesn't have children, but really wanted that and, you know, how that impacted that person's life and how they navigate that situation, how they establish intimacy with themselves and with others and how they move on. So I'd love to hear more. Yeah, sure. Um, 
So there, it's very common, and, and this is what happened to me, to, to begin to see yourself as less than. Mm. And the messages we get from society to accentuate that, we're given that message that, you know, all over the place is motherhood is the most important job. And so you start to think, well, if I can't do the most important job in the world, then what does that say about me? And so you do start to, and, and I certainly have experienced that of feeling like you're less than. And um, my, now my triggers over time have changed um, because, you know, we, as a person, you change over time. So like baby showers uh, used to bother me or pregnancy announcements used to bother me. But honestly, over time, what now, like one of my triggers was when I think it was Hoda Kotb, um, when she adopted her child and they announced that because that was one of the things that I had considered after we got married. Well, how about adoption? And um, and so when I when that episode came on where she announced or they announced she had adopted a child, I can't remember, and she was 49. And that was how old I was when I considered adoption. I mean, that was that was a huge trigger for me. Um, so, you know, over time, those things that affect you, or at least for me, but if clients have said the same thing, th those things change. Um, now it's, you know, as you get older and you start to think about aging without children, that becomes a trigger because you worry about being alone. Of course, not that everyone who has who has children as you age, not everyone's children help to help, but it, you know, you think about those things. Um, and so I began to hate myself at times. Like there's something wrong with me because I can't do what I'm, what I'm supposed to do in life, become a mom and what I wanted to do. And so I had to work on, recognizing that there was nothing wrong with me, that this was just a circumstance in my life. It wasn't the circumstance that I wanted, but I had to look at how I, how I was thinking about it. And instead of thinking about it as there was something wrong with me, just looking at it as this is, these are the cards I was dealt but I have all these other things in my life, these other cards that I was dealt. I do have a wonderful husband. I am fortunate that I have a positive relationship with my stepkids. I'm so fortunate that we all get along with their mom and we celebrate some holidays together. Like I had to really focus on those things and recognize that not being a mom does not define me. Um, and so now, I, I do recognize that I have a wonderful husband. This is not to say that I didn't have resentment towards him at the time when this, when we were having these discussions, you know, he thought he and I both thought I had accepted being childless. And now here I am saying, wait a minute, I want to have kids. Yeah. But I did still resent him for, you know, not, not wanting to. And so that was something that we had to work on together that 
recognizing it wasn't selfish of either of us because, you know, had I told him before we want, I want to have children that I think it would have been a little bit different, but I think because I was so convinced <laughs> I'm over this, that I was able to, to give him that grace of, okay, I've just thrown this at him and he wasn't expecting it, but we did. I mean, I, that's, I did have resentment and we did have to work on that and, you know, come to this conclusion of, you know, this is where we are in life. And, and we've had this discussion and I will say the very first time that I practiced my TEDx talk in front of him, first of all, from after the very first line, which made him laugh after that, I bawled through the whole thing. <laughs> And I told the story of, you know, the very condensed story of our interaction about this. And afterwards, he apologized, which he'd done before. But I think that talk really, like, as I put everything together and he heard it from beginning to end, I, I think it really affected him. And so we kind of had... We, although we discussed it before and we'd worked on things, I think that talk, that practice, that kind of gave us closure in a way um, that he finally had an understanding in a way that he hadn't before. So um, that was a huge blessing that, you know, I enjoyed doing the talk, but that was a huge blessing for us. Um, so, I don't know that I answered your question. No, you did. You know, I think that that is really, really important. You know, what you bring up. I think that oftentimes, you know, people will not talk about the negative emotions, right? And I think that it's important to talk about those negative emotions because we all have them. Right. And if we don't accept it, that we will have some, especially with something as important as this. Right. So you're talking about your journey and how, you know, that you were childless, that you are childless and not by choice. And that is so important for other women to hear. And I think also realizing that it's OK to have those negative emotions, that it's normal. Right. You bring up the fact that there was resentment and I can I can totally understand that. Right. That makes sense. And I can only imagine. Right. I'm an OBGYN. You're an OBGYN. You're a high risk doctor. MFM. Seeing all those women that are pregnant day in and day out, how that can be so just weighing you down, you know, especially if you wanted a child so badly, right? And how that can also make you resentful and, you know, just living in it. It's one thing to, you know, experience a trigger and have it come occasionally, like once in a while, like you happen to have a conversation, oh, somebody says something and then you feel the trigger. But, you know, I'm curious to find out how you were able to navigate that space, right? Your career literally is dealing with pregnant women. Yeah. So how did you navigate that? So in part, it was because it was kind of like, you know, when they talk the example of, you know, a frog, you put the frog in cold water and then it gradually like boils and the frog doesn't really notice it. Or I don't know if that's exactly how it goes, but 
because it was one of these things that over time, you know, I aged and, and it was kind of a, there was never like one moment where I was like, until we got married that there was never one moment where it's like, oh, this is not going to happen. So in part that helped things. But when I did kind of get to that point where, oh, this next, you know, life cycle event is not going to happen for me. I'm not going to have a child. I had also worked on issues that I'd had from family issues where part of it was I was unfortunately in, in an environment where jealousy was very strong. And I had worked on that. Like, I don't want to be like that because I'd, I'd been the recipient of that. And so I was able to look at this in a way of, okay, recognizing that there's nothing to, don't resent your patients because their being pregnant isn't keeping you from being pregnant. And that was be, what I, because of what I'd experienced through growing up and, and then therapy I had done to kind of overcome always being the recipient of that. And so that is what helped me to recognize life isn't a pie. <laughs> My patients being pregnant are not the reason I'm not pregnant. And it also kind of gave me like, not that, I mean, we always want good outcomes for our pregnant, for our patients, but it was like another layer of incentive that I want you to have what I can't have. And so it actually gives me so much joy when I have a patient who has, you know, a com significantly complicated pregnancy and goes home with a healthy baby. I mean, that gives me so much joy. On the other hand, like I ball when I have to give any patient like the really bad news. So because I, I like really feel that in my heart. So um, it's a two side, it's, it's two sided. You know, I get an incredible amount of joy from seeing my patients happy. And then I feel horrible as we all do when our patients have the outcomes we don't want them to have the bad outcomes or there's a stillbirth or miscarriage or you know a severe anomaly so um that's really it was it was my years of experience that allowed me to and therapy <laughs> that allowed me to recognize like don't go down that road and and do to other people what's been done to you if that makes sense yeah, no, I love it that you said that life is not a pie, right? Just because somebody else has it doesn't mean that you can't have it or that it's because of them that you don't have whatever it may be. And in your case, it was a pregnancy and a child. Yeah. And and I love that. I love the reframing, right? Because I think that that really helps with somebody that may experience jealousy or may experience resentment or you know not perhaps not be so in tune with their own emotions and in regulating their own emotions and understanding the reason why they may be having those negative emotions i think that takes a lot of work on yourself and understanding yourself and 
really, I think you and I mentioned this a little bit, but really working on the intimacy within your own self. So I think that that is so important and really a sign of growth, you know, and I can see that that, you know, this whole um, situation that you were placed in, you know, that you find yourself in in life, uh, really has, you know, and I didn't know you before, but it seems like you've had a lot of growth and um, that you've really come to a good place with it. So, I'm really impressed, honestly, because I think that, you know, this is a very difficult topic and not everyone can say, and of course, now I see why you are the coach to go to for something like this, because, you know, I can see um, how that can really put somebody in a downward trajectory, right? And really have them spiral and really start to get angry at the world and at everything, and resent everyone in their lives because of what has happened to them or really, especially because you mentioned that it's not your choice, right? And I think we made that distinction a little bit earlier, but almost something that, you know, you didn't really have uh, a hand in. So really interesting. Um, So I'd love for you to explore how you were able to navigate the process of establishing intimacy within yourself and then also how you were able to reconnect with your uh, spouse after having dealt and done all the work on your own self. Yeah, thank you. Well, I do just want to back up for a second because I like this, it did take a lot of work to get to this point, but I don't want someone else to look at this and, and feel like there's something wrong with them if Mm. they're not there. Yes. Um, Yes. I, I do know of, you know, someone who is two pediatricians actually who are childless not by choice and struggle with this daily, you know, going to do newborn rounds is yeah. painful. And so I never want someone to think that there's something wrong with them because they're still experiencing that pain. Um, right. So it, it just, it does take a lot of, a lot of work. Um, so getting back to, um, this, it was for me, the intimacy with myself was really working diligently, working hard on overcoming the feelings of inferiority, um, and recognizing, I mean, I have a little, (laughs) I have a little sign here that says, I don't know if you can read it, um, bah. you are important. You matter. Um, it's a, it's up here on my desk in front of my face all the time, reminding me that I matter, that there's nothing wrong with me because I, I'm not a mom that there, I didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with me. And over time, understanding that I've, I'm a value that I matter has allowed me to then not hate myself to, you know, I have faults like everybody else and I'm really good (laughs) at picking them, like listing them and picking them apart. But I'm also much better now at recognizing, Hey, you're not perfect, but you are great as you are. So just really that allowed me to, um, recognize I'm a value and that hatred for myself over time 
kind of went away. Now, again, that's not to say that I don't criticize myself, find fault with myself. We all do. But instead of viewing myself in that through that lens all the time, I'm able to view myself through the lens of, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly imperfect or I'm imperfectly perfect, however you want to say it. And I no longer have that hatred for myself. Um, in terms of my relationship with my husband, like we had to have, you know, multiple kind of talks about, we're open about our feelings, um, you know, that, you know, I was hurt that this wasn't something he would consider. He was hurt that this was something he thought I had put to rest beforehand and now I'm bringing this up. Um, and, and it was just a matter of really being honest with each other about how we felt and coming to, and then looking at each other in terms of what is it that drew us to each other to begin with? And what is it that we loved so much about each other that we then decided we're gonna spend our lives together? Um, so it was first being honest about where the negatives were, and then it was really focusing on what drew us together. And like, and one of the things that drew me to him is he was such a wonderful father, um, and and he still is. And so that's one of the many things that I love about him. But that's where we learned to to bring that intimacy back is to focus on what do we love about each other and accept that we're always going to have things that annoy us about the other, right? Who doesn't in their marriage? Who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't have things where you're like, Oh God, I wish he'd stop that. (laughs) And I I know he's like, okay, she's at it again. (laughs) Like he's thinking those things, but we, the, the things that we love about each other really overshadow all of that. So, yeah. Uh No, that's, that's amazing. I, you know, I love all the work that you've put into working through this. And, you know, I really appreciate that clarification that you made that, you know, this takes a lot of time and that there's nothing wrong with somebody that may be struggling with this and um, still hasn't come to that point where they're okay and still don't, you know, have a reaction every time they experience a trigger, right? That there's, there's nothing wrong with them and everyone kind of moves through their own timeline. And I think that that's really important what you say, because then, you know, it, it gives people hope that they can move, not not move past it, but I think accept things the way that they are, right? And that, But still find that happiness and joy in their own life for where they are in their own life at that point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, you know, part of it is recognizing like, again, because of that message that motherhood is the most important job. We also, when you get to that point of realizing I'm not going to become a mom, it then becomes, well, then what's my purpose in life? Yeah. And there's so many ways, different ways to mother, you know, first of all, starting with yourself, mothering yourself, recognizing you are of value and, and taking care of you yes. the way you would take care of your child. Right. Um, so there are other ways of being, of, of fulfilling that, those mother, motherly 
duties, if you will, or experiences. It's not the same. I'm not going to say, you know, you know, that it's the same as having your own child, but there are ways to do that. And then there's other ways of finding purpose in life because the reality is most moms, they, being a mom is the most important thing to them, but you also have other things in life, other purposes in life that you, that you get joy from. And so this is the same thing. There's other ways to find purpose in life. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, oftentimes a lot of moms will lose themselves, right? They'll forget who they were before they even had kids. They'll forget what things they found joy in. You know, I know some moms that, you know, their whole life revolves around their children, which is fine if that's, you know, if that's what they want, then that's great. But, you know, there are other women that feel completely lost. So I think that um, it's finding that happy medium. And I think that, you know, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, right, is to not make it all about that one thing in your life that you feel perhaps didn't go the way that you wanted it to go, but finding the joy in everything else that you have and realizing that there is so much joy in so many other things and so many other facets of your life and who you are as a person and that, you know, that one thing, although it was a very big thing, did not define you and does not define you as a person and does not define your worth, right? And finding, you know, and knowing, like you said, that you matter and that you, you know, are making a difference in the world um, is really important. And I think that's really, that's a very important message that you have to give to other women. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What you said, like, sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what I'd love is for our listeners to know where in the world can they get in touch with you? You know, I mean, there's so many women that I'm sure this talk is resonating with and they would love to get in touch with you and know how they can hopefully get to the level that you're at and um, not just of acceptance, but of also finding their worth in so many other things. Um, So where can they find you? How can they follow you? Okay. Well, the easiest way is just my coaching is pathonward.com or gail at pathonward.com if you want to email me. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. The links are all on my website, but um, on Facebook is pathonward and on Instagram is childless pathonward. Um, so, but the simplest way to remember it is pathonward.com and that will get you to all of these. Perfect. Perfect. And, you know, we will have those in the show notes as well. So definitely people can look out for that and, you know, be sure that they'll be able to get in touch with you. So any parting words or thoughts that you may want to leave our listeners with, um, on their journeys to their self-realization and finding, you know, realizing their own self-worth. Yeah. So the, my most important message is that you matter. There's no such thing as perfection. So you are perfectly imperfect or imperfectly perfect as you are. And start with that thought and remind yourself of that um, to get rid of that self-hatred and self-defeating messages to yourself. So you matter. That's the most important thing I want all women to know. 
Fantastic. I love that. And that is a great message to end on. So thank you so much. This was such a great talk. Thank you. And well, we are done here and it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you have any healthcare issues, please speak with your healthcare provider. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening.